A little bit of an unusual setting. Uh, we have a lot going on here. Uh, most of you are aware that uh, we are uh, finishing up the new auditorium, hoping to move into it uh, this Sunday morning, the 17th. Now, whether it happens or not, it's still up in the air. Uh, but because of the busyness of everything, uh, this past Sunday when I taught the parenting class in here, uh, unfortunately, uh, we did not have the mic set up and I did not have the self-awareness to recognize it until I was about half done. And so I am repeating uh, Sunday's lesson to an empty room uh, in an effort to just keep up with those of you who are watching this online. By the way, if you're watching online, I'm real glad you're watching online. Uh, I mean, I love and prefer people to be here. I don't think anything substitutes for being there, but uh, the next best thing is just to watch online. And so if you're doing that, uh, I'm just going to repeat uh, this past Sunday's lesson uh, for you. And so as we begin to uh, the class, Father, thank you for another day of life. Thank you for the opportunity to try to help people. I pray you would help and bless each parent that watches, help them to believe what you've said. I pray you'd make a difference uh, in children's lives and homes and marriages because of this. Uh, please glorify your son in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, like usual, uh, a lot of the questions you turned in uh, prior to the class and during the class have uh, their links to discipline. And so we really will be going over those uh, over the next few weeks. Uh, starting today, when we get to our lesson, uh, we're going to begin uh, three weeks of teaching on discipline and answering questions on discipline. Uh, but before we get to that, um, because we always be begin our class with questions that you've turned in, uh, all these questions, rather than being related to discipline, are related to uh, what I taught last week, which was on helping our children uh, learn to get along. Remember, the second greatest commandment is to love our neighbor as ourself, according to Jesus. And certainly, uh, on the path to loving someone, you must learn to get along with them. And while we cannot force our children to love someone, we can, at least for some seasons, uh, force them to get along and better yet, teach them how to get along uh, while you're forcing them to get along while they're under your care. Uh, question number one, how soon should I step in if kids are not resolving their dispute. You probably remember me saying that whenever possible we should let our kids resolve their own disputes um, most of the time. Uh, let it be settled, so to speak, in kitty court. And that being said, um, there are times when you should step in. And I think by and large as a parent, you know, we tend to, uh, especially moms, step in too soon. Uh, but there are some things you need to watch for. Number one, uh, is there genuine abuse going on? Is there any physical danger? And obviously, if there's abuse and physical danger, uh, you need to step in. Ask yourself, is this situation escalating? Uh, and, you know, kids, by and large, uh, appreciate you stepping in when things are out of control. 
uh, just uh, be careful when you decide to step in. I will say this, if your children are older, and especially if they're teenagers, uh, the other kids, uh, as well as your child, will resent you stepping in. And if you're the kind of parent that steps into every situation with uh, your teenage child, I mean, the other teenagers are just going to keep their distance from them uh, just because they don't want you involved. And you can like that or lump it. I mean, people are uh, people. Uh, generally speaking, uh, what I would say is that if our child is the offender, uh, a lot of times we step in too late. And if our child is what we would describe as the victim, we tend to step in too soon. Just uh, seek some wise counsel if uh, you have some specifics in mind of a situation. Question two, I'm socially awkward and struggle to have a healthy instruction uh, interactions with others. How can I give my kids a healthy example? Uh, the first thing I want to just remind you is God chose you to be the parent of those children. He chose them to be your children. He chose you to be their parent. He knew your tendencies, who knew their tendencies, and he picked you. Just simply remembering that will help you. And what I, what I just want to say is make the best effort you can to face your own weaknesses. Always be working to be a better version of yourself for Christ's sake. And you know what? Uh, a lot of the things you struggle with over the years and by the grace of God, as time goes on, they'll be a lot better. Uh, if your child is older and they're struggling in an area you struggle, you know, don't hesitate to just say, hey, you know, this is an area I've struggled with too. Uh, this is what I'm doing to try to help. And I think, uh, you know, you and I can both um, battle this together and, you know, have some prayer with them and talk to them uh, about it. Uh, it would be nice if all of us were great at everything, uh, but the fact of the matter is, is none of us are. And so, you know, with our older children, you know, I think it's good just to be honest with them. They probably already know anyway. Uh, question number three, uh, how can we help our children understand the importance of respect for others? Uh, your children are watching and learning how much real respect you have for others as you go through life. Of course, we should teach them this, but like I've said so many times, our most powerful teacher is our example. They watch how you treat people who can't do anything for you. They watch how you treat people who are uh, different uh, from you and from them. Uh, they're watching that stuff. and You just mainly you help your children by treating people with respect. If you have respect in your heart, it'll come out in, in, in your life. And question number four. How do you explain to your children why their grandparents are not around? Uh, this is an older question, but I leave it in here on purpose because it's a good reminder of an important parenting principle. God purposely doesn't let your children see what you can see. Uh, and so what I'm saying by that is you can, by things you observe as an adult, that they can't yet see, you can bring things to their attention that they're not really ready to deal with. That's why you're far better to let them uh, d come to these conclusions on their own. For a long time, I mean, you'll just simply be able to say something like, you know, Grandpa was busy. Uh, he, he couldn't come. And 
eventually they will be to the place where they ask more questions and say, well, Grandpa couldn't come. Why didn't he come? And that is your cue as a parent to know, okay, my, my child is more ready to listen to this and, and understand. You know, be super careful. If you are divorced or, you know, there's uh, issues with the biological parents, uh, please just be careful not pointing out everything you see wrong with their biological parent. Uh, you see things, you may be perfectly right, but they're probably not ready to deal with it. Uh, eventually, uh, they will. Uh, so just be careful. Uh, by the way, most kids, when they are, are upset at grandparents not being there, it was because of parents who prompted things and put thoughts in their head. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Let me get a drink here. It's just water. Question number five, my spouse buys our kids something every time we go to the store. I don't like this. How do I resolve it? Uh, this is also an older question, but I, again, want to use it as a reminder of a, another important principle. Teach your children they can't always have everything they want. You know, you can only control one person in this, and if you've been married very long at all, you will know that's not your spouse. Uh, and so... Uh, I believe personally it's very harmful for you by the way you handle your children to basically teach them, hey, such and so, uh, if they have a birthday party, you get one present too. Or every time we go somewhere, you, you get something. You know, life isn't like that. Life very often is about you watching other people have things that you don't have and may never have. And you're setting them up to basically down the road be very dissatisfied with what they have. Um, now, as far as you and your spouse in this issue, I mean, I would recommend to you the same thing I recommend in our marriage class, uh, which, by the way, is also on our podcast and, and on our website and our YouTube page. I don't think it's on there. Um, make the issue a matter of prayer. Pick a couple of clear examples, pick a good time, pick a good tone, and have the adult uh, conversation about it. And uh, no, don't go flying off the handle. I mean, how often does that work? Um, question number six, if God gives us only one child, what is the best way to foster get along with others at their age? Uh, so much of parenting falls in the general category of give your children what they need rather than what you want to give them. You see, recognizing your circumstances and your children's uh, circumstances, that's really important but often ignored. In this case, you have to battle your tendency to smother them and ignore their real need for healthy relationships with their peers. Uh, I would suggest go out of your way to build friendships with other like-minded families with children their age. Uh, make extra effort to get them around good children that are their age. Um, seek to be what your children uh, most need, not what's convenient for you. Listen, God chose you for this. He picked this situation, so there's a way you can handle it. Uh, question number seven, should I force my child to have and make friends? 
Uh, I believe uh, a friend relationship is always a good thing. It's healthy for children, especially teenagers. Uh, I think it's a valuable relationship. I do not think you can force your children to have friends. Uh, you can force them to go play with the kids instead of you. You can uh, force them to stay in the places where their peers are instead of other places uh, like where you are. Uh, but you cannot force them to, to make friends. All you can do is teach them how to interact with people in a healthy manner and keep them around the situations as much as possible. And most of the time, kids will build friendships. Uh, sometimes they won't, but most of the time they will. I thank God for a teen ministry and children's ministries and open doors for that. Listen, I always wanted our children to be around people with whom they, I hoped they would spend their life in church with. I wanted them to build those relationships. I don't understand why people don't grasp that. Question number eight, my child talks disrespectfully to me as their parent. How can I help them? Now, the first thing I would say, a good job recognizing that that's not a good thing, uh, that that is unacceptable, uh, because how your children talk to you uh, is a foundational stone for how they will talk to other authorities in their life. And the first thing I would say is stop responding positively ever when they speak disrespectfully. If they speak disrespectfully, maybe you say, hey, why don't you go in the other room and uh, five minutes from now come out and try asking again, but this time ask the right way. Uh, I would recommend never giving your children anything positive when, you know, they uh, mishandle how they speak to people, especially you as their parents. You know, what you do depends on how old they are, they are and, and how disrespectful it is. You know, sometimes you need to use some discipline. Uh, sometimes if they're older, you know, you need to withhold some kinds of privileges. There's a lot of things you can do. Somebody said, uh, having children doesn't make you a good parent any more than having a piano makes you a pianist. Uh, by the way, good job being here or listening, uh, as the case may be for some of you, uh, because I think most people, they don't try to get outside their own box to, to learn and uh, just try to become the best parent God intended them to, to be. Uh, <laughs> some thoughts to ponder about parenting. Uh, number one, purposely build up rightful authorities and examples, uh, especially the other parent. Please, 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 never tear down the other parent in public in front of your kids, especially after a divorce. Uh, number two, never publicly ridicule or destroy the other parent. Uh, number three, don't micromanage every incident in their life, especially as they get older. You know, I know, I know you, there's some people, their disposition is to micromanage everything and everybody around them. Listen, that will not help your children. Remember, our goal is not a good kid. Now, we all want good kids, but that's not our goal. Our goal is an independent thinking Fully functional, productive citizen with faith in Christ and good character. I mean, that's our goal. And by the grace of God, we've got many years to work on this. And God knew both you and they would be imperfect. 
And again, good job listening to this to try to do a better job. Um, today, um, we begin what most people would call a controversial subject. Uh, it's not controversial because of the clarity of the Scripture. It's controversial because of where our society, our culture is today on this subject. And our culture, by and large, has a very unbiblical viewpoint of this issue. Today, uh, I want to start uh, speaking about discipline. I know a lot of you, you've been waiting for this, and you know I know you have a lot of questions. Um, we've already finished the most important thing to teach our children, respect and obedience to rightful authority. We covered the second most important thing to teach our children, which is how to have right relationships, beginning with a relationship with God and then relationship with other people. And we spent a lot of time talking about those things. Uh, today we begin talking about discipline, and I know it's hard. It's controversial. And it's controversial for a lot of times. For instance, somebody turned in the question, uh, how can I separate the trauma of abusive physical punishment I received as a child from godly discipline? Is physical punishment even necessary? It's a great question. And it reflects how hard this issue is to deal with because uh, some of you came from environments where there was no discipline. Others of you came from environments where the discipline was inconsistent or even at times extreme and sometimes abusive, and that shapes our thinking. And what we're trying to do is make our thinking to be biblical because the basic foundation is simply this. God knows more about what our children need than you and I do. And so we're going to the Bible, we're going to our Creator to find out what He taught us about this issue. Um, Sometimes this is difficult uh, because you struggle to have children or your children have some special needs and it's hard for you to be as tough as you need to be. Uh, sometimes you didn't have a stable relationship with your own parents. And so because of this, you're fearful that if you discipline that you won't have a relationship with your children. Sometimes um, <laughs> uh, you're busy. You work a lot, and you're not around that much. And so when you are around, uh, because you're not around much, you feel guilty doing the kind of discipline you ought to be doing as a parent. Sometimes uh, a divorce has occurred, and there's shared parenting. And you're afraid to do what you know you should do because you're afraid to go live with the other biological parent. You are afraid of a lot of things. I mean, sometimes it's just ignorance. Uh, there's probably a percentage of people listening to me uh, online and in this class, and you just really don't even know what the Bible teaches about discipline. What is good discipline? What is healthy discipline? Uh, and so we are going to begin, uh, like we begin everywhere in this class, with the greatest parent. The greatest parent is God our Father. Uh, and so you and I can learn a lot about what he wants in the area of discipline when we look at how God teaches us to discipline and about how God handles his children. Now I know uh, a lot of you, you just want to go into the 
practical aspects of, of discipline. Uh, but, you know, that's not really the way the Bible is written. The Bible is a timeless book. It is designed and written to apply to every culture in every age. And so what God does on things like this is he gives us principles. And we need to have these principles and then we apply them to our culture and our time. The principles don't ever change or it's not a Bible principle. But the details of how we apply these principles, you know what, it's okay if it's a little different uh, today than it was in 1947. So we want to begin with these uh, principles. Um, you are the parent. Uh, yes, you do have from God the authority to discipline and raise your children. But hear me when I say God did not make you the authority or give you those children to do what you wanted to do with them. He gave you those children and made you the parent to do what he wants done with them. And so uh, we have to begin with God. Uh, just remind everybody, as we begin discipline, discipline uh, is not just about behavior. Uh, discipline always, when it's done rightly, seeks to reach a child's heart. Now, you and I can't see a child's heart. All we can do is see their behavior and hear their words and their tone and see their attitude and such. Uh, and so we get some glimpses into their heart. But discipline is really about behavior modification, uh, attitude modification, and ultimately the modification of their heart. Uh, now, what I'm going to teach uh, today and over the course of the uh, next two weeks is not the way my wife and I were raised, uh, but it is the way uh, we try to raise our boys. Now, my wife and I, by the grace of God, we both come from good homes. I, like I've told you before, not distinctly Christian homes as I would describe that and define that today, uh, but uh, this is one of the areas where uh, my wife and I really tried to do a much better job uh, than we were handled as children. Should be in your Bible, Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Beginning in your Bible in verse 6, it says, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Notice, uh, everybody God loves, he chastens. Everybody says he scourges every son whom he receiveth. Listen, if you claim to be saved, you're God's son. And if you live a defiant life of God and God does not discipline you, you are not his child. I didn't say that. The Bible said that. It says in verse 7, If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers... Uh, then are you bastards and not sons. So I don't use that word in normal conversation, but it is a Bible word that refers to having no father. And notice there in verse 8, all are partakers when it comes to God disciplining his children. And when a human child is not disciplined, uh, it's an evidence that they don't have a father in their life because that's the job, one of the jobs of a parent and a father in particular. Uh, it says, furthermore, in verse 9, uh, we had 
Uh, we have had fathers uh, of our flesh which corrected us. We gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits uh, and live? In other words, our human fathers disciplined us. How much more after we reverenced our human father for disciplining us and respecting him for his strength and such, how much more ought we to be in subjection to God our Father? Verse 10 says, For they verily for a few days, that's our human fathers, chasten us after their own pleasure. In other words, sometimes our human fathers, they disciplined us and uh, it was for them. Uh, and we'll learn this later, one of the most basic principles for uh, discipline is for the good of the child, not for your good as a parent. It says, but he, that's God, he disciplines us for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. God, in contrast to human fathers, always disciplines us for our profit, for our own good. Verse 11, now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it Yieldeth a peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. And God says here, uh, when you're being chastened by God, it's not pleasant. It's grievous. But afterwards, uh, it yields a peaceable fruit of righteousness. There's some good end that God has in mind uh, for our uh, discipline. By the way, if God disciplines, and when He disciplines, it's grievous, uh, you and I are not really doing any discipline if it is not grievous for the recipient. Um, so there's three basic uh, principles here, Bible principles for biblical discipline of the our children. Did you catch them? Here's the first one. Number one, if God disciplines His children, we should discipline ours. Uh, don't try to tell me or convince yourself that you love your kids too much to discipline them. You don't love your kids more than God loves His kids. Uh, if God disciplines His children, we should discipline ours. Now, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not uh, suggesting you put the worst uh, aspects of your discipline on display in the grocery store. Uh, you need to be appropriate. I'm just saying that when you discipline your children, it's not discipline if it's uh, not grievous for them. And the Bible's filled with examples of God's discipline. Here's a second principle. Did you catch it when we read a moment ago? Here's a second principle. Our motive in discipline ought to be to profit our children. You see, when you and I discipline in our anger, then that discipline is about us. It's about appeasing our anger, not our children's profit. Uh, it's very easy to discipline our children uh, to keep up our own reputation. Now, for those of you who don't yet have older children, you don't maybe not understand this as much yet, but as your children age, they're going to be doing some stuff, and you're going to feel pressure from the people around you, including in the church, to do something. And in the end... If you and I discipline and it's for our reputation instead of their good, that's not good discipline. Uh, here's the third principle. Discipline should not be pleasant for the recipient while it's going on. Remember, it's grievous. If they're laughing or they walk away thinking, that wasn't bad. You and I didn't get our job done as a parent. 
If God calls His discipline grievous, then ours should be as well when a situation calls for it. Please, that's no excuse for any genuine abuse, but discipline should be grievous for our children. And uh, you will understand this eventually. If it is grievous for them, it will be grievous for you. Uh, I don't understand or have I ever understood parents who get a lot of joy out of disciplining their children. Uh, it's hard to do when you do it right. Um, but it's grievous for them. Now, it should be no, no surprise that building on these principles from uh, the Bible about God disciplining His children, should be no surprise that when we look in the book of Proverbs, which is the book of God's wisdom, there's a lot of information on the subject of discipline. Uh, remember, I'm just reminding you, uh, God knows more about what makes your child's life better than you do, or I do. Uh, I think all of us, when we look around us today, we would come to the conclusion, you know what, what's going on in most homes by most parents is not producing uh, <laughs> healthy human beings with good human relationships, with good respect for authority, with good character, with faith in God. I mean, that's not what's being produced. We, we, I think we could pretty much all agree on that. And so when you and I uh, look at our parenting too much in how it compares to what this world is doing around us and their product, we're going to always be messed up. And so we're going to the Bible, we're going to God's Word, and we are going to find some principles that we need for biblical discipline of our children uh, today. Uh, can I just encourage you, regardless of how bad our culture is, it is never a hopeless cause for a Christian parent. Never. Uh, you and I, by the grace of God, can raise children with faith in God, good character, who treat other people with respect, who are loving and gracious and everything a follower of Christ ought to be. It is not a hopeless cause saying that these principles will help us a lot. Uh, go in your Bible to Proverbs chapter 22. Proverbs chapter 22. You know, it's really... Certainly, we should discipline our children because our Heavenly Father disciplines His. But you know, the, the Proverbs give us some other reasons why we should discipline our children. Notice the first one here in Proverbs 22, verse 15, uh, says this. It says, My son, if thine heart... Uh, 22, 15, I'm sorry. Uh, says this, Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child... But the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. Here's a reason to discipline your children. Your child's nature is foolish. Uh, our children, uh, their attitudes, their decisions, their behavior, it comes from their heart. And their nature, just like ours as adults, it's fallen. Now, Jesus used the faith of a child as a model kind of a faith. But the nature of a child is no different from the nature of an adult other than the fact that it manifests itself in different ways than the fallen nature of an adult. 
We just read that God teaches us a rod of correction drives this foolishness out of a child. Discipline helps them battle their fallen nature. Now the rod of correction, that is not abuse, but it is a clear command that physical discipline is appropriate at times. See, the implication here is that an undisciplined child will have more foolishness remaining in their heart than a child who is properly disciplined. You know, I think all of us understand that a teenager or an adult with a lot of foolishness in their heart, they can do some pretty dumb things. Dumb things that hurt them, dumb things that hurt you, dumb things that hurt the people around them. Understanding that no children or adults are basically good is an important Bible principle. Now, children are basically innocent and adults are not, but we are all born with a sinful nature. We are all bent towards selfishness, not sharing, greed rather than giving, pride rather than humility, being served instead of serving. There's not a parent here who had to teach your child how to lie. You say, why? Because from their heart, they have a fallen nature. If you do not understand the basic nature of your child, you will never discipline your child uh, correctly, and you will never discipline them well. By the way, I hope you understand, this is very different from the assumptions of modern psychology. Modern psychology holds that an individual is fundamentally good. Biblical Christianity teaches humans were created in the image of God, but man corrupted that image, and all of creation is now in rebellion against God since the Garden of Eden. Modern psychology holds an individual is a product of their environment, and therefore a person's inadequacies are the result of a parent's inadequacies. Biblical Christianity teaches that you and I, in the end, are solely and fully responsible for our behavior, words, and attitude. In fact, it is only by, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> it is only by accepting uh, personal responsibility for our sins and confessing them to God and calling upon Christ that we ever get saved. Uh, modern psychology holds that a person can be, quote, saved through a process of therapy by a properly trained And we, of course, believe salvation is only by faith in Christ. Uh, hear me when I say this. Modern psychology, socialism, and communism are all destined to fail because they're built on a, uh, they're built on a foundation of sand. That's why they've always failed everywhere they've been tried. Their premise about human nature is flawed. It will never work. And unfortunately, some Christians don't understand psychology's foundation of sand, and you buy into everything psychologists and bloggists and all those kinds of people uh, teach. Listen, we love our children. Man, in many ways, they're sweet, they're innocent. It's wonderful. But if you and I do not understand and recognize their fallen nature, we will never discipline them right. Proper discipline will reduce, but not eliminate, the number of foolish decisions and behavior 
in which our children will be involved. Here's a second principle. Proverbs chapter 17. Proverbs 17, verse 25. says these words, A foolish son is a grief to his father and bitterness to her that bear him. Here's the second thing. A painful future awaits the parents who refuse to give their children proper discipline. Remember, discipline drives foolishness from their heart, but if left unchecked, their foolish behavior will hurt you. Uh, we like it. God designed an unbreakable link with parents and children. We like it when that link helps our children do better in life and they get more education and more character and more instruction on how to interact with others. We love that link when it works out good. But you know what? That link goes the other way too. Uh, and whether they're 12 or 52, they're always our kids. And so if you don't get that foolishness out of their child and properly discipline them, it's really going to hurt you. It's really going to hurt you. Uh, turn up a few pages to Proverbs 23 and verse 13. Proverbs 23 and verse 13 says, Withhold not correction from the child. For if thou beatest him with a rod, he shall not die. Thou shalt beat him with a rod and shalt deliver his soul from hell. Again, uh, linking physical uh, discipline at times to being appropriate. But notice proper discipline affects our child's future and their relationship with God. I mean, understand that a part of what you're doing when you uh, discipline your children is you are linking consequences with their behavior. And I want to tell you, you want to raise an unhealthy adult, have them not be able to link uh, their choices, their behavior with the consequences. And you think about it like this. Salvation is a human being who agrees with God that they have defied God, they've broken God's commandments, that they're sinful uh, creatures, and that their only hope is Christ. I mean, think about this. When you have uh, taught your children by your inactions that there's no consequences associated with this bad behavior, understand, you've made it harder on them to be saved. That's why this proverb says that. See, so when we think about these principles that their spiritual future is linked to discipline, the amount of foolishness in their heart is linked to discipline, uh, you as a parent will be affected, good or bad, with the choices of your children, and discipline affects that. You know, it brings up a lot of questions. Like, what is a rod? I mean, five times in Proverbs it's associated with discipline. Do I treat boys and girls differently? When should I start using discipline? When should I stop? What kind of Bible principles guide me as I discipline? It's pretty easy to see when we think about how God handles His children and what He teaches us about handling ours. It's very easy to see we need to discipline our children as parents. What biblical principles guide me? How about this question? Is physical discipline always the answer? Now, the Bible principles for these questions and discipline, they're very clear, very straightforward, but the practical applications of, of these things, sometimes it's difficult and messy. Sometimes it's complicated. We, we want 
easy answers. We want to, they do this, I do that. They do this, I do that. You, you know, sometimes it's not that easy. See, the answers to these, it's complicated because we live in a culture that is not only not biblically oriented, we live in a culture that is uh, fighting against, it's adverse to biblical Christianity and biblical principles. It's complicated and difficult in a home that's blended. You have a combination of parents and step-parents and biological parents. It's difficult. By the way, uh, if you're in that situation, my heart goes out to you. Uh, God still has a plan for you. And by and large, I would just give you this advice. For the most part, the biological parent handling discipline is the wisest thing you do. Uh, it's complicated when uh, in a church and in your social life. Listen, it's going to be complicated because other people aren't going to handle this like you do. You know, even in a church. By the way, a healthy church has people of all sorts. I mean, hopefully uh, um, we've got some uh, godly couples and homes who want to handle their children uh, like God wants them handled and they want to please Christ and we have people that want that to a degree but not that much and then we have people that don't want that at all and they come here and I'm glad they're all here. But it makes it complicated because people around you aren't going to handle their kids like you do. In fact, what you're going to learn is dedicated Christians aren't even always going to apply the details of these principles the same. The principles are unchangeable. But parenting and discipline, it's messy business, just like life. But these questions remain. When do I start? When do I stop? What kind of principles should guide me? What should I do? And over the next couple of weeks, we are going to uh, apply these principles and add a few others to them. And like always, turn in your questions. If you listen online, feel free to... Uh, email me uh, your questions, but uh, I'm glad you listened in today. Uh, next week, hopefully, Lord willing, um, I'll have my microphone on and not need to redo the lesson to an empty room and a camera. God bless you. You're dismissed. Hey, Josh.